Hey, 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 everyone, and welcome back to another episode of the New Ground Life and Leadership Podcast, and welcome to Season 4. I hope you've all had a good August, whatever it is that you got up to. And thanks to those of you who got in touch to say hi or recommend guests over the summer. It was really great to hear from you. Over August, we didn't release any podcasts, but I did have the privilege of recording some exciting new conversations that I really can't wait to bring you. Before I bring you today's episode, did you know that these podcasts are also available on YouTube? Simply search for Life and Leadership or New Ground Churches and you'll be able to see videos of all the conversations that we've had, or at least most of them, if that's something you'd prefer to do. So I thought that to kick things off for the season, we'd launch with this one. A conversation that I had with some students and a staff member from Asbury University in the States. You may be aware or you may not, but back in February 2023, God did something pretty exciting and unusual at Asbury University. The students met for chapel, as they normally would, as a Christian university. But then as the service ended, no one wanted to leave. People became hungry, incredibly hungry for God and were so keen to stay in his presence that they just kept on going. And they kept on going in a posture of worship for 16 days straight throughout the entire day. And then on through the night, people just stayed in God's presence, worshiping and responding, worshiping and responding. And then before long, word got out and well, A town of 6,000 soon swelled to something like 50,000 people as individuals traveled from all across America and across the world to come and be in what became a precious space of worship and prayer. Simply amazing. I know when it was going on, uh, I was so encouraged by watching some of the clips on YouTube. It stirred my faith and it did for many of my friends as well. Well, to find out more about what went on and the subsequent impact that it's had on the students that were there, let me hand over to today's guests. I'm thrilled to introduce Taylor, Rebecca and AJ as they stir our faith with a fresh hunger for God and his goodness. I hope you enjoy the episode. Great to have you all with us today. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you. So someone start start for us by setting the scene uh, of what it was like at Asbury University this time last year. Tell us about chapel services, Christian life on campus, that sort of thing. Asbury University, um, it's it's a Christian um, college. So we are here for four years. All of us can study like different things, whether it's ministry, uh, biology, uh, physics, Basically, we get to, uh, there's a broad range of majors we get to study here. So mm. when we get to go to chapel, uh, that's required uh, because it's a Christian college and it's just some of the things that are in place for us. So we meet Monday, Wednesday, Friday, 10 o'clock uh, every week during the school year. And some of the things in chapel, like it's usually worship and a message. Um, and sometimes it's like, academics, uh, celebration, different things like that. But mostly it's geared towards um, learning about the Lord and deepening our relationship with him. 
how how long do they generally last these services um about like so 50 minutes so like let not an hour but less than an hour <laughs> <laughs> so up to up to an hour uh, people gather and there's like is there a sense of you know, this is just part of the habit and the routine, perhaps the duty, like you said, of being at a Christian university. Um, I guess some people are, are more into it than others, depending on their schedules and timings, that sort of thing. Yeah. And then um, on February the 8th um, last year, there was a chapel service. And as I understand it, it just didn't end. And it didn't end then for um, how many days? 16 days. <laughs> 16 days wow um so you were all kind of involved in in the experience the outpouring have different kind of entry points into it and your experiences of it um why don't you just each of us to kind of tell tell us about that day what your what was going on um in asbury on february the 8th what you were all very doing with your different schedules um we'll start with that one so yeah so like um i am a staff member here so i work in the alumni office and um, I uh, had been texting with one of my friends who's a resident director here. And I usually, I go to chapel as often as I can. Um, if I don't go, I can watch it. We live stream all of our chapels. And so I usually live stream at my office. And that day I'd been really busy. I'd been in a meeting and something else because it's not required for us to go. Um, and about 20 minutes into chapel, she texted me, she texted a group of us and said, I think I just experienced the most powerful time of worship in chapel that I've ever experienced. And, you know, I was like, oh, that's great. Like, I'm so glad that like you personally feel personally feeling that way. And mm. I went to lunch, I think I went out to lunch with some people. I came back and my sister had texted me. She said, we haven't left chapel yet. And people were texting and asking and um, like, did you hear that the students are still in chapel? They haven't left yet, which I think Rebecca talked about this too. It's not uncommon for some students to stay after they dismiss at 1050 because yeah. most students either go to lunch at 11 or they have a class that starts at 11, but there's usually an invitation of like, you can stay in worship if you want. Um, and they'll keep going for a little bit longer. So in my mind, I'm like, oh yeah, like, okay, okay. They're just staying to worship. That's fine. And so, um, Part of my role here at Asbury too is I get to be a class advisor. So me and my husband oversee kind of like a mentorship role of the now juniors on campus. So my boss came to me and she was like, I think you should go over to chapel as a class advisor, like go see what's going on. And so I went over around 1.30 and immediately I walked in the back of the room. I just started crying. Uh, just the sincerity of worship that was happening. Um, the, uh, the, gospel choir had been leading that day and um, one of the leaders was playing the piano there were um, five or six people on stage playing the guitar and um, one of the guys who's part of the gospel choir was on his knees just playing the guitar and there were students praying and worshiping and we had run out of tissues our president's wife was just like walking around with a roll of paper towels like handing out paper towels and there were like stacks of paper towels on the altar um, but it was just very it was just such a sweet spirit um, it was just very, uh, yeah, it was very sincere. And I just remember, uh, just going up to students and hugging them, um, and then asking them if they had eaten because <laughs> a lot of them had skipped lunch. And this is like my, if you know anything about the Enneagram, I'm a two. So it's like the host. And so in this moment, I'm like, do we have water? Do we have food? Like, are you yeah. guys okay? Um, but it was really sweet. So I think AJ talked about this. I 
looked down at my watch and it was like six o'clock and I was like, oh my gosh, like I usually leave at five. And I think I stayed until eight 30 that night. Um, but it was like a, like a snow globe. Like you didn't know that time had passed and, and we didn't know what it was at that point. We didn't know how long it was going to last or, yeah. or what was really happening. Um, but as students kept listening to the Holy spirit, kept responding and confessing and praying and testifying, um, it just kept going. So then it was yeah, like, yeah. what do we do? Like, how do we, how do we steward this well? So um, wow. those first couple of hours, if you were there, you were the prayer team, you were the snack team, you were the host security, you know, trying to make sure everything was safe. Yeah. Um, so it was a, it was very um, sweet, but very uh, unknown at the beginning, I would say. Wow. And um, AJ, what was your, what was your initial contact with what was going on on, on that morning? Yeah. So for me, I went to uh, chapel that day um at and when it when it ended and they like called people to stay i didn't initially stay because i had like homework and stuff so i went and like worked on some projects and like went to class and stuff and then i went to practice later that night and i got back from practice around like nine o'clock and i like heard that there are people still in the chapel and i was like that's weird like that's it's really late like mm. they've been in there for a while now so like I went in there around like 9:30 and like like immediately like just like walking up the steps like you could feel something special like you could feel like the holy spirit was moving in a different way like I could tell like even before I got in there I was like oh this is what people are saying and then like I was definitely shocked by like the amount of people that were in there at like 9:30 on a was it Wednesday night I was like mm-hmm. this is weird but um so you you were there at the you were there at the uh the actual service and and left left afterwards to go to class or to finish homework or whatever so was there anything particularly different about the service that that made you think uh i don't want to leave or was it just feel like a standard service what what went on that was so different there was definitely like uh like the service definitely like made an impact on me like it definitely like hit home kind of because like it it was really something that I was like struggling to deal with and it he had spoke he had uh spoken the week before around the around the same topic and I had been kind of thinking about that like throughout the week mm-hmm. um but I the service definitely did hit home but I didn't necessarily feel called to stay at first yeah, yeah. um I've I just felt like I needed to finish my homework yeah that's the that's the freedom of the lord isn't it he's not controlling he invites and you can stay but equally he's with you as you leave rebecca what was your contact with this first day um on i had stayed uh after chapel and so i kind of could i immediately knew as soon as worship had started in chapel that like the holy spirit was doing something different (laughs) like you could just feel it um And I thankfully just, I didn't have a class afterwards. Another class was canceled. But at that time, by the time I was in the middle of it, I was like, it doesn't matter. Like, this is this is where I want to be right now. Uh, we had stayed after chapel and we were, a lot of students were just praying and worshiping. And I remember one of my friends had shared his testimony uh, and it, just like sharing the topic on mental health and just like, we're Christians and we love the Lord, but 
like I still struggle with this or I still struggle with that. And so there was just this opportunity where like, hey, like if you're struggling with mental health, like you're struggling with depression, anxiety, like addiction, whatever it is, like raise your hand and let us pray over you. And so we broke out and started praying in different groups and sharing testimonies and sharing scripture over each other. And then we just continued with worship over, over and over again. And it was just this peace and holiness and you just didn't want to leave because of how safe you felt in that place too. Because one, like your we our close community were praying over each other, we were supporting each other, but we also like were understanding like the love of God like is real. Like he truly redeems and loves us and like he wants to heal us. So there was that sense of like different groups of like, yes, the like the love of God, like this is powerful. And another group of students that like had tons of doubts and questions of like, well, why am I still struggling with this if this is how good God is? Or what like why is this still happening? And another group of Lord, I have messed up over and over and over again with this addiction or with this and that. And I want to surrender that to you, Lord. And so there was just like this hunger in a lot of the students of like just wanting to to experience and see that the Lord was still working because they, a lot of us had already seen him work in our lives and redeem and change our lives. But there were others who still had questions and still were struggling. And so it was just super encouraging of like those first few hours to see like how soft everyone's hearts were to like see how hungry they were for him and to it break out where tons of not just like our local community not just the state but like international like for people to come and see like and it just get to worship in peace in this holy place and um it just was it was amazing so it sounds like there's um it sounds like there's a fairly healthy culture of honesty and vulnerability or just supporting of one another in the the college generally um, but I know from things that I've read um, that that day in particular, someone confessed publicly some level of repentance around some things they were struggling with. And but that's that theme and kind of thing about repentance and vulnerability, um, how how central to what then followed do you think that that was? I remember having a conversation at one point um, with somebody just trying to trying to know what was happening or trying to um knowing that god had more work to do and we weren't he wasn't finished yet that this outpouring was was meant to continue but unless there was true vulnerability and true confession and um not just standing around singing praise and worship songs like it wasn't Mm -hmm. going to continue um so i remember having that conversation of like we need to help usher this not usher this in because we can't do that, but help create a space that is safe. And so I think what Rebecca was saying, like it was kind of just this flow of prayer and then they would open it up and allow, um, if you want to come up and give your testimony and we followed the ABCs, right? So it needs to be, um, brief. it needs to be current and it needs to be, um, all about Jesus. And then we added a a D at the end, which is don't preach. (laughs) So, you know, trying to, because the lines would be so long of people just wanting to say like, I came and this is what I've experienced, or I was healed from this. 
um, or I, you know, I've struggled with this and I feel like God has healed me. And then um, just being so sensitive to people who are holding the microphones, being sensitive to the Holy Spirit to be like, you know what, like this person has confessed to struggling with this thing. Let's just stop where we are. And if you struggle with this, stand up. And then the intercessory prayer became so huge of just like, if somebody is standing up around you, like pray for them, you may not know them, but our students learned like how to pray for each other. And they like caught that fire of like, my friends aren't here. I want them to be here. And how do I, how do I invite them into the space, which may seem Mm. scary to them? How do I keep praying for them, keep encouraging them? And how do I get the students here who aren't here, who need to be here? So just that spirit of vulnerability, like you said, and confession and prayer and healing, it kept going because more new people kept coming in. Um, So it was like, you know, the students, you know, after a couple of days, the students were like, oh man, like this is so great. And then the world showed up and and we still prioritized, like we made space for our students. We made space for Gen Z. They were the ones who were leading the charge there and who were the ones who were sensitive to the spirit at first. And so we wanted to keep that spirit of like the young people in the room. So. Yeah, so I, mean, so I love the, those A, B, C, and D. Uh, so it's all about Jesus, brief. What was C? Current. So oh. it needs to be something that you experience like in the last 24 hours, not, okay. you know, your life. It wasn't your life testimony. It was just yeah, like, what sure. did you experience right here in this moment? Nice. And then and then D, don't preach. And that was, again, that was something that was characteristic, as I understand it, about what happened is that it, it wasn't um, a response to or centered around preaching and gospel proclamation uh, or even a leader um, and their their messages and then everybody's response it, it was correct me if I'm wrong this kind of time of intermittently between times of singing and then times of responding times of singing times of responding is that right yeah so they did um we did kind of formalize it not totally but there was a sense of like okay this day you know we're gonna do an hour of this we're gonna do an hour of testimonies and then, but there was always open to change, right? So it was never set in stone, but the gospel would be presented periodically or, a, you know, somebody who was um, one of the, st- like who would be on the stage would be like, you know what? I really feel like God is calling us to pray for this group of people or to do this. And so it was a very um, fluid way of doing it, but it was still mm. very, um, yeah, so it's still like very sensitive to the spirit, but also making sure that the gospel was presented, that we were praying for certain groups of people. But it was a very, um, yeah, it was like a flow of of different elements. Yeah, yeah, wow. Oh man, it's so exciting. There's so much I, I, I want to talk about because I mean, having your your small town and your university just suddenly <laughs> being visited by the world. I'd love to. That would be something to come back to. That'd be really interesting. But um. I'm I'm really fascinated by this idea. Um, AJ, you've talked about this before about just timelessness. How you kind of lose all track of time. Help me to understand that dynamic. What did it feel like for you, AJ, when you did then kind of return um, and, and kind of get fully immersed in what was going on? Yeah. So that second day I went. Um, that second day I had a class at twelve forty-five. And then a class at like 2.30 and then class at like 3.30 or something like that. And the first two classes are by the same teacher. And he like canceled class. So like I went, he canceled class and he's like, we can all go to this revival. And so we all went. But my 3.30 class hadn't been canceled. So I go in at like one o'clock. 
and I just like am overwhelmed by like what's happening. Like again, like every time I went in, I was shocked by the amount of people and like what was going on. And like we were doing what Taylor was talking about. Like there's a time of like confession. There's a time of like praying for different places, different people. And then like after all that, like I thought it'd been like maybe an hour. And I check my phone and it's five o'clock. So I completely missed my 3.30 class. And uh, of course my professor understood, but like, I was just like, oh, that's crazy. Like it just like every time. And then like, I'd say, I think it was later that same night I went back like after my practice and someone uh, like we were just worshiping again. And someone came up to me, he's like, man, I can't believe there's so many people here at 2.30. And I said, it's what time right now? <laughs> I was like, there's no way. It's 2.30 in the morning. It does wow. not feel like that at all. So, yeah, it was uh, just weird. So what happens? I mean, most people, most most people, uh, when it depends on what church you're part of. Obviously, none of our churches. But most people, when you go to church, you're kind of halfway through looking at your watch. You know, how, are we nearly done? Is it lunchtime soon? I'm getting hungry. Um that's the kind of a, re- a common experience for people going to church and then suddenly to be like it's 2 30 a.m and you're still there how, how does that how does that happen how do you compute that i mean no i definitely do that too at church like i am human <laughs> like i definitely have those feelings and thoughts but at that moment like none of that seemed to like even cross my mind like i was just kind of in the moment like i wasn't even checking my phone which like i normally do a lot I like didn't even really feel tired, even though it was two thirty in the morning and I had been up all day and stuff. So like I just kind of was like in the moment and was like just taking in all that was going on and that like itself, just nothing else wow. seemed to matter at that time. Nothing else seemed. You didn't even check your phone. A, a, a Gen Z who didn't check his phone for that length of time—that's a miracle, right there, isn't it? Like that's it's God, God is real. <laughs> Rebecca, what was your experience of that? That kind of timelessness, flow state, heavenly space. I don't know how to describe it. Oh goodness, yeah, I don't know how to describe that either. Um, I really experienced that. It was a Thursday, a couple like the next week with that. And I had the same kind of Thursday schedule. Like I had a three o'clock class and a 12.45. And I went in at 11 and like it was the new group of like, like people from all over was coming in to worship with us and just to be there. And like, I didn't have a watch on, I didn't have my phone, but I remember I would check my phone here and there. Cause like, I need to get to this class. I know I need to like, I can't miss this class. And then you just like felt this peace that you're like, I'm totally fine. There's nowhere else like better than to be here with the Lord and with these. And it wasn't like with these people who want to worship him together. Like that was another big thing is like the people that I was surrounded with. Um, One of my friends, uh, Ethan, uh, he had the class too. So he has Tourette's and he was super and I hope this is okay to share, but like, I just loved having him like worshiping next to him because his testimony is just so powerful. And so then I was just thinking about all these other testimonies um, around me and what the Lord was doing in each individual. And it just, you just didn't think about time anymore. You just thought about who you were with and who you were worshiping and testifying about. So it's just, 
yeah, I missed that class. <laughs> so. Oh, it's so beautiful. So you, you mentioned different testimonies. What were some of the things that you can remember that people were testifying of what God was doing in them? Um, a, a lot of, and I see they're, they're completely new today. Like those who suffered with depression and anxiety or addiction, um, like sexual addiction, um, alcohol, like those who have like surrendered those things to the altar during those time during the revival, during the outpouring, sorry, uh, and see them completely different person today now. Uh, those were like the biggest testimonies that I heard. Some healing, physical healings too. Someone's ankle who had like a brace on. Um, people had prayed over her. And then she could walk and like she went on a full on run the next day. And I mean, my nose was healed. I had a earring or like a like a hearing issue with my right ear. And then I couldn't smell because of I had COVID a year and a half ago. And people were praying over my nose, my ear. And for a second, I was like, guys, I've already prayed for this. Like there's there's I've I've surrendered it to the Lord. It's OK if it, it's not healed. But then I. Like earlier that year, I really wanted to ignite my prayer life of like, no, I believe that the Lord will truly do this. Like we've asked in faith and he will like you can receive it. He wants to like give us good things. And so people were praying over my nose and my ear. And it wasn't until the end of like it wasn't until like two weeks later, like my I could smell again and my ring, the ringing in my ear stopped. And I was like, what? God, you did it. Like you, you answered and you listened and you care for your children. And wow. so like all of those kinds of healings to even experience it for me physically during that time. Mm. Uh, it's really cool. Wow. Uh, I don't know. I think it was Friedrich who um, described the dynamic of approaching the space as being like a rushing stream what was the phrase a rushing water drawing you in and then a still pond taylor can you remember what i'm referring to yeah so he said it was like a rushing river pulling you in but it was like still water and when you were there like a pond wow. which is and very what? true and you know what we sing it? that song there's no place i'd rather be yeah. um, that was so true uh my husband travels for work and you know i had been at asbury a ton over the couple of days and he was about to leave for a week and he was like, I'd really like to spend time with you before I leave. And he like, we like almost got in a fight because <laughs> I was like, I need to be here. And he's like, I know, but I want to spend time with you before I leave. And I was like, I know, but like, I don't want to come home. <laughs> <laughs> so it was that struggle of like real life is happening outside. Yeah. And um, it was hard to leave. And Rebecca, this is, she talked about this. And this was something that we had to come, had to help our students process too, was like leaving the space was not a bad thing and they didn't want to go even my sister called me one day and she was like I feel guilty not being there and I was like well first of all like that's not how I should feel she was like I just feel like I need to be there and I'm like but there are so many ways that you can worship and being a student and like studying and like going to class like that is a form of worship because mm. that's what God's called you to do so understanding that while that space is was so um comforting and so peaceful and there's also other things happening um, outside mm. of it, but it was hard. It was hard to think that anything else mattered. Yeah, I can. I can totally imagine <clears> that. And, you know, we've all 
uh, and actually, I guess, had times of worship and enjoying God's presence where you experienced that dynamic of, oh, this is the sweetest thing in the world. I don't ever want to be here. But often those kind of things, they come and go maybe half an hour to an hour. You, you had that experience in, in your university campus for 17 or 16 days. Like it just and, and it and it went through the night as well. So the doors didn't close. Uh, although I think you said there was one occasion where you had to close it to clean it because it was um, becoming slightly fragrant, shall we say, for the amount of people that were coming through it. Um, yeah. Taylor, you you were involved, as you said, your kind of practical mind of looking after and playing host for these people. You're involved in having to suddenly sort out a lot of the logistics, the administration. Um, talk to me about that. Like suddenly it goes from being Asbury students, someone posts it online and before long, what happens next? <laughs> yeah, so it started on Wednesday. Um, you know, my friend who had texted me that she was there in chapel, um, we both are event people. And so she, uh, the next morning on Thursday, you know, we, I got to, he was, I think at 6 a.m. And so from six to eight, I would do this, like we would do shift work basically to make sure the, the space was safe and that um, somebody was looking over the space. So I would take the six to 8 a.m. shift, which was great because like it was beautiful. It was quiet. It was usually somebody playing the piano or singing. Um, and I remember her texting me saying, I think we should go to Sam's Club and get some granola bars or something. Like, I think people are going to continue to show up and I think we need to feed them. So we went and got um, like a couple boxes of granola bars, some Rice Krispie treats and like two cases of water. She's like, oh, this will hold us over. And like, it was so funny. <laughs> we were so, we just, yeah, we did not, we had no idea. So as the world started to show up, we we kind of had to start build the building the scaffolding, right? So it was like, okay, if we have people that are volunteering to pray for students, there should probably be some sort of like identification. Like they should probably have a lanyard on that says that they'll pray for people. And then we should probably train them. Like they should probably be legit, right? So then it was like, oh, we need like somebody. To, so it was like, it was so wonderful to see the body of Christ. And we I had been in meetings for months before we called them purple team um because asbury's colors are purple and trying to like how do we make our departments um better communicate with each other and work together and man god was like yeah i'm gonna give you a chance to pull all of your resources together and host fifty thousand people on campus so yeah it was crazy because somebody's like oh what do you do at asbury because we're you know we're working the line i'm like well i work an alumni and they're like oh, you don't work in, you know, spiritual life or student life or anything like that. So yeah, so we were learning as we were going and so many people just kept, I, the way I describe it is it was like a million yeses. So people just kept saying yes, yes to Jesus, wow. yes to not spending time at home, to working the night shift or to, I got to Asbury one morning and the guy who was playing the piano, he was like, is there anybody coming? And I was like, well, what do you mean? He's like, is somebody else going to come play the piano? I've been playing for eight hours. So he had played through the, he had been playing through the night and nobody had showed up. And so I was like, yes. He's like, I probably have like 30 more minutes and then I like might pass. Out. So, so it was just, it was that like the, you know, the, the provision of, oh, does anybody in here play the piano? Do you want to give him a break? So um, wow. yeah, so it was, it was amazing to see people just kept showing up and kept saying yes, food trucks and, yeah. um, well, yeah. talk to us about that. I love that, that phrase, a million yeses, that suddenly, like you said, nothing else was as important as any of this. It was just, yes, what can we do to keep this going? But you, you shared a story with me about the, the food trucks that were showing up because obviously thousands of people, you need to feed them. Um, yeah. 
uh, and they're, they're standing in line for some of them hours as i understand it just to get into the space to worship for a while um yeah. tell me about some of the remarkable things that occurred in that line while people were waiting yeah so the food truck they showed up and they said we can stay for a couple of days I think they stayed for 10. Um, they were there for a long time. Somebody wow. walked into our like hub and was like, I have 250 pounds of ground beef. Can you guys use it? And I'm like, we're not cooking in here, but they're cooking outside. So they ended up donating that to the food truck. But um, yeah, our students at some point came to, one of them came to me and was like, do you think we should start praying for people in line? Like there are people who are coming in the door, but what about the people in line? And so our students started to go just ask like, hey, is there anything I can pray for you? So the whole line became a ministry opportunity as well. And, and people were meeting each other in line and talking to each other and um, yeah, praying for each other before they even got in the door. So um, yeah, just people that were hungry, so hungry wow. and thirsty for what was happening and and just wanted to get through the doors. So and the Lord was providing for physical hungers and physical thirsts as well, by the sounds of it, people showing up with food for you and things like that. You mentioned people coming from all around the world. Give us a, a sense of the different countries and uh, cultures that you are hosting all of a sudden. Yeah, so um, I met uh, a couple from um, Puerto Rico. I met a family who came from India. Um I know there were tons of different people that came from all over. Um, it was hard to tell, like, were they living in America and they were from that country or did they actually travel from that country? Um, but uh, yeah, people came from all over. I remember at one point somebody said, I drove all the way from Eastern Kentucky. And I remember looking at my boss and I was like, Eastern Kentucky does not impress me right now. <laughs> <laughs> Because I'm like the person behind you, like sold their car and, you know, all of their belongings to come for an hour. Um, but yeah, we had people from all over that were driving and flying and not and showing up to a tiny, tiny town. I just don't think they knew what they were what they were showing up to. Um, but yeah. The, so where were these people all sleeping as well? That's a really great question. We don't know. <laughs> we did have. We had somebody on our staff that was trying to coordinate housing for people. There was QR codes up, like, do you need a place to sleep for the night? Um, mm -hmm. But that got to be too much of an undertaking. So I think a lot of people slept in their cars and probably more than we would like to to know slept in their cars. We do have like, a, we have like um, bed and breakfast in town and, and there are hotels within, you know, 30 minutes of campus, but um, yeah. yeah, I'm not sure where they all stayed. I, I do know that some students met other students or like had mutual friends and everything and like stayed in the dorms like there were students hosting them too mm. and in Aldersgate as well because it was a big apartment and all the mattresses like Asbury truly did host them a good bit of them. We had students wow. from over 260 different college campuses around the country come to Asbury. So we had a big whiteboard where they could write their college and we sorted through and one of our coworkers' wife just like typed all of the universities in that we could find or knew about. Cause you know, we would, I remember at the beginning, somebody was like, they're like Mount Vernon, Nazarene is sending a bus or, you know, uh, the university of Kentucky is very close. They're, they're college student fellowship, like they're coming. And at some point we just lost, track. we couldn't keep track of it all of who was coming. So. Wow. 
And you mentioned, I mean, you mentioned this one guy, bless him, playing piano for eight hours solid. Where did you find all of the musicians? Are they just all people from Asbury? Or how did you sustain? I mean, again, those in pastoral ministry are thinking, how do you sustain a meeting that long? Um, <laughs> how did you yeah, lead so get to, yeah. The count right now, uh, the last I heard of worship leaders that we had throughout the outpouring is over 1,200 um, different musicians and worship leaders, individuals that served at some point. So there are articles written about this. Um, it's actually a whole process. So they were very, very intentional. The guy who was playing the piano those eight hours, um, he is one of our alums. His name's Jorge. Um, and so he he just showed up the night before to to come, you know, to participate and to see what was happening. And yeah. um, the way that they did it was that the people who were, you know, kind of coordinating the worship, they would just ask God to show them, like, show us who um, is going to be the next person. And so they would literally just stand and look at the room and God would point out somebody and they would walk up to them and say, do you play the piano? Uh, do you sing? Even some of our students, um, I walked in at one point, some of the students that I personally know well were up on stage, like leading worship. And they came up and I was like, I didn't know you were leading worship. They're like, we didn't know we were leading worship until two hours ago. So it was, they really, truly let the spirit lead and just would ask people, but they did, there was a process to it. And they asked every person to go through a consecration room. So as a little hall in a back hallway in a like music storage closet, they would spend uh, however long praying. So they wanted to be sure that there were no rock stars, that you were here purely to worship and that you had, you had done business with God and that you were, that you were, um, ready to, to lead the worship. So, um, Madeline Black and Ben Black and a, a bunch of other people were kind of coordinating that part of it. But, um, and we didn't even know about all of this until the end, you know, we're reading and talking and discussing, but they were so intentional with, with who was leading and um, and how they were choosing those people. So. Wow, I love that. I, I, I had no idea of that, but a consecration room for that sort of thing beforehand. And I guess because they were trying to steward carefully what was going on. And like you said, no rock stars, not wanting it to be hijacked perhaps by big personalities or people with a, you know, a, a big public gift or something. Um, AJ and Rebecca, I think this is one of the things that I've, I've picked up is that there, there wasn't this kind of big personality leading it, but there was a real sense of, unity among the the students that were leading this did it feel like it was a just a, a student-led thing of people in participation and unity together um how involved were you with that how, how aware of the leadership of the different meetings were you both um yeah were you both aware of and talk to me about how it felt as part of the congregation and if you're involved in the leadership of it um this kind of the spirit behind it um i know that there were um a lot of students that led communion um one night uh, i think it was the first friday or saturday night they had communion and one of the things that my professor well one of my professors said is like that was like the most powerful moment for her was to have uh to be served communion by her students was like one of the most powerful experiences and it almost like when they first said they were going to do communion, it was packed. Like I was like, there is no way <laughs> that we are going to be able to serve communion to this many people. But I mean, Jesus provided <laughs> and it mm -hmm. did. But 
yeah, that was a really powerful moment because it was all done by the students. And um, and then yeah. I just saw a lot of um, students just, like, take the time to, like, welcome others, like, so well, like, from other yeah. schools, like, just pray for other people and, like, just being there for people if they needed it, um, which I thought was really powerful. Because mm-hmm. there were leaders of course, that, like, we're stewarding us and, like, taking care of a lot of things. But I remember, like, we were led to, like, pray over all of the student leaders and just how powerful that was and how encouraged they were that, like, the students, like AJ was saying, like, were encouraged through that. And I remember talking to, so Greg Hasselhoff is, like, our university pastor and everything. And that, when we did communion Saturday, I had asked him Thursday, like, what do you think of doing communion? This would be like super, like, these are people worshiping God and understanding like the sacrifice that Jesus made for us all. Like, can, could we do that? And so getting to see that into fruition, like getting to do communion and it be student led and like them really listening and like taking into heart what the student wanted um and making it happen like was just super encouraging for all of us i think wow i mean uh there's a there's a wikipedia page about the the outpouring i saw and in that it talks about um gen z this is an outpouring predominantly among gen z people people your generation it's like kind of 25 and under um and it described your generation as being the most irreligious generation in American history. Um, so talk to me about, I guess, yeah, that dynamic of living among that generation and the impact that this has had on your peers and this generation of young people growing up experiencing this for themselves, the kind of mark that it's, it's leaving on you. Um, yeah, and how, I mean, I'm firing lots of questions and you can just respond with whichever you want but you know so so often as pastors and people in ministry we talk about how to engage Gen Z and how to you know be relevant to the next generation and stuff and yet here we have an outpouring a prayer meeting a worship time that lasted for 16 days predominantly led by Gen Z so what was the, what's the secret sauce what's the what was it that, that happened that people can learn from so there's a few kind of avenues of thought I'd love to get your, your guys um, input on I think what we learned is that, um, like, Gen Z really values when something is, like, authentic and, like, not kind of forced in any way. Um, Another, like, uh, before the outpouring the last two years, I went to the Passion Conference in Atlanta, which is, uh, like, 18 to 25-year-olds, and it's, like, it's, like, 50 to 60,000 like people from all over the world and it is like um it's also like super i'd say like authentic um and like they don't try to like force anything i think what we learned with this like outpouring is that like gen z doesn't like like jesus or god to be like forced into like this like box of like sunday morning like you know, like, we're gonna worship God, like, from this time to this time, I think it's more, like, uh, they more value, like, inviting God, 
like into a space and then letting God do the work and then just responding to how he moves is what I'd say. To add to that, there's, um, I think it's in first John or some, somewhere in Luke or scripture that talks about abide. Like that's the only part of the Bible where Jesus talks about abiding in him. And someone blew my mind, uh, just a couple of days ago where he says, abide in me, like with the branches and basic, like I am the vine, you are the branches and abide in me, the branches, like saying fellowship, not just me as an individual and how I abide with the Lord. And, but it's how my community abides in the Lord and dissecting abide as well as like being comfortable, like getting comfy, like in a cute little couch, um like with a nice cup of coffee and like where you feel safe and you're comfortable and you want to learn more and deepen this relationship with the lord and to do it with others and so like if it's so spontaneous but like so open-hearted and like hungry for what the lord is gonna do i think gen z like we want to see him actually working like it's not just like this God who's so far away and like, okay, we worship him. Okay. We do this, 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 this. Okay. I have to obey these laws, et cetera, et cetera. But there was something deeper in him, not like seeing him actually heal, seeing him actually change lives. Um, seeing like, see, it just felt so real. Like you saw it happening right there in front mm -hmm. of you. And so we were hungry for that. So like, God, are you really real? Like, is this really happening? And him to answer, yes. Yes, I am real. Yes, I am here and I love you and I'm I'm with you right now. And to do that, not just like on your own, because that's where Gen Z is just like, we isolate so, so fast. So, and to be with your community and to abide in him with that, I think is also like, just very different. It wasn't, one person who was in that built like in at university in Hughes Auditorium where we worshipped in that building, it was thousands of people coming together. So I think that was also different. Beautiful. I love what you say. You know, Gen Z has a tendency to isolate so quickly. You know, they've got their phones. You can just retreat into your private space. And the danger is that you can just cultivate a private kind of isolated relationship with the Lord, but to actually to be pushed into a space where you're surrounded by others with their guard down, vulnerably, honestly, authentically pursuing Jesus together. Uh, you're saying that you as Gen Zers felt the real beauty and benefit of being part of a wider body of people doing that. Taylor, what are some of your reflections as, so, um, as kind of a, an older generation? <laughs> not, you know, I'm allowed to say that? Someone who's not in I'm Gen, not Z, Gen let's Z, say I'm that. definitely no, a millennial. There, <laughs> <laughs> there we go. As a fellow millennial, what are some of your yes. reflections that you guys learn about how to steward and encourage ministry among Gen Zers from this? Yeah, I think, um, man, I, my sister is a student here at Asbury, so she is going into her sophomore year, and the maturity that I saw in students in 16 days time, um, I think Friedrich talked about it a little bit, it was like it was sped up, um, like what would have taken years of maturity spiritually, like happened in such a short amount of time, because it was so um, condensed. And it was, mm. it was, you know, our focus is what we were doing day in and day out. And um, 
we, at one point, my sister prayed, you know, I was struggling with something and she was like, let me just pray for you. And I just wept because this, there's a 14 year age difference between us. And so you think like, oh, I'm the older sister, you know, all this stuff, but just the maturity I saw in her as a 19 year old, 18 year old, um, was just amazing to see just how she was viewing her life in light of eternity and how she, it was the only thing that mattered. Um, she was like, people who I know who don't know Jesus, like, I don't mind to be annoying to them because it matters for eternity. And if they're annoyed, like that's their problem. <laughs> but um, just the maturity I saw in our students and the growth um, was just, I I could cry every day mm-hmm. thinking about it. But I think um, reflecting on it with other people and, and talking about it, what AJ said about how Gen Z craves something that's genuine. I think our our first inclination is like, oh, we need flashy with lights and sound and all this stuff. And I think they can see straight through any kind of facade. And so I just kept thinking, how good is God to meet them exactly how they were, they wanted to receive it and how Mm. it was so received so well for them and how um, he knows exactly what we need and exactly how to talk to us and how to best, um, yeah, show his love to us um, Mm. in a way that we like that they, it didn't, like AJ said, it didn't feel forced. It didn't feel fake it didn't feel flashy um it was just genuine and real Mm. and um i mean there are like aspects to it like we never put lyrics on we never had lyrics on a screen we worship uh never extended like all the worship leaders were off to the side of the stage like they were never in the center um it was only just ever like a guitar um uh is it a djembe or a cajon the box um and a piano and so wow. um, it was very simple, but it was very genuine and very real and wow. very sincere. So that's beautiful. I, I guess they, like us, swim in a culture that is uh, obsessed with personality cults and, uh, you know, big impressions. Um, the bigger, the better, the more money spent, the more, you know, the higher performance. But the reality is, all of that in the world is still not scratching the kind of deep needs that we all have that something mm-hmm. honest and authentic but that's full of the lord's presence can really can really reach on people um just a couple more kind of questions uh taylor you shared with me before i remember about um you know it's trying to facilitate and steward what was going on you were having to be quite kind of restrictive about who can and can't come in because you want this to be for gen z and yet here's, here's all these old folks turning up to get and getting on the action as well and having to decide who's allowed in and who's not um and there was a, a family or an older guy that turned up and you initially said no but then they gave you the, the story of how far they traveled i was so moving can you just relay that story to us again yeah they wore me down <laughs> <laughs> um so there was a family that came up <clears throat> in the line and like i said you know, it changed every day, um, kind of the times and, and we were prioritized Gen Z. And so making sure that 16 to 25 year olds had a space that this was always, um, there, it was there for them. Um, but also letting other people in as well. There was lots of, um, other people. So one of the things we did was we had, um, we had Hughes Auditorium, which is our main auditorium where our chapel is and where we meet three times a week. But then we had churches around the area and then we have a seminary across the street and they actually opened up their spaces to live stream. So that was always an option. If you were in the line, like the live stream locations were open, but for most people, 
the same spirit that was in Hughes was also in the live stream location prayer <laughs> teams there, you know, it was, but it was hard to convince them. Like it's, it's still, it's still good. Like it's still happening. Um, so this family came up and, and they, um, one of the older, the older gentleman had was on crutches and, um, uh, it was the grandfather. And so they said, you know, can we just go in? And, and it was close to when we were going to close the doors for the night. And I just remember saying like, no, we really can't. And so then they started to tell me where they were. And I can't even remember where they were from now. Um, met so many people. Um, but they said, can we just go in for five minutes? And so at that point, I'm like, a lot of people have said they would go in for five minutes. And I was like, you know what? The Lord will deal with you. If you are alive, that's fine. <laughs> that's where we had to come to. Um, so I said, you know, you can. And so I said, do you want me to take, because the ste- it's just steps up. And so I said, do you want me to take you around to another entrance? They're like, no, we don't want to waste any time. We just want to go in. Um, so they walked in. So I walked with them up, up to the door and, you know, said, I'm going to let these people in. Um, and the, the son carried his father up the steps with his crutches. And, um, he said, he just wants to go straight to the altar. So he carried him straight down to the altar and the rest of the family stood just in the back of the room in a space on the floor, just dropped to their knees, um, just praying and praising that they were able to make it in the door, that their father was able to get to the altar. And, um, and I stood with them for a little while. And I mean, I was weeping of course, and, and just, um, in my mind, I'm like, I don't want to time them. Like, I don't want to put a time on it. Um, and I didn't have to. Uh, truly five minutes and the the son stood up and he said thank you so much this is this is all we came for this was amazing this is what we needed and he went and picked his father up and carried him out the door um oh. and so five minutes in the presence of god is all that they wanted or all that they needed um so we had i mean tons of those stories of people just wanting to get in the doors and and it and going straight to the altar not even not messing around like we're not we're not wasting any time yeah oh it's so beautiful i feel the emotion of it just you relaying that story again and that is just that's the longing of our hearts is for that level of awareness of god's close presence to us um okay so so two more thoughts and then i'll let you go right so oh I, taylor i'd love to hear from you and uh, to answer this question and then um aj and rebecca i'm going to ask you the kind of lasting impact that this has made on you or your friends etc and just to kind of bring things to a close but taylor i'd love to get your reflection so you know you've shared this before and i looked, i saw this on wikipedia as well that asbury university college whatever it's called Asbury university has um has been the the site of several according to wikipedia like six or seven different intense periods of outpouring in its history um how, how do you make sense of that like what's that about is, is this like a a rift in the, the heaven and earth time space universe or what, how do we understand that yeah it is very interesting so i can't remember if it's like six or seven like major revivals that have been recorded um all of them except one have happened in february so I don't know what it is about the bleakness of February here. Um, it's very gray and very cold usually. Um, the other one happened in March, so it wasn't far off. Um, and I, I, I don't know how to explain it. I don't think there's anything significant about Asbury. I think um, we're just like any other university. We just I- experienced this outpouring. We've experienced these in the past. I heard somebody explain it to me, one of our alums. Um, <clears throat> she said, uh, that they, she was trying to explain it to her kids who are in elementary school. And she's, they said, mom, why, why Asbury? Why did God choose Asbury? 
And she said um, that they had just recently bought a Jeep. And she was like, we bought a Jeep. We started driving it around. And all of a sudden, we started seeing all these Jeeps. And so she was asking her kids, she's like, don't you notice Jeeps more now that we bought one? And like, yeah, we do. And she was like, do you think there are more Jeeps on the road? Or do you think that we just notice them because we have seen what one looks like? And um, her kids were like, I don't think there are more Jeeps. She's like, that's how I feel like the Holy Spirit is at Asbury. She's like, it's not any, she's like, there are not, there's not more of it at Asbury than there is anywhere else. But she's like, I think the people at Asbury were looking for it and they knew what to look for. Um, and they were willing to listen. And so um, I love that analogy because I, I think that's so true. Like, I think we just, we had students that were willing to stay willing to listen to that still small voice that for those 16 days just felt like it was just like right here in your ear and we're willing to engage with it. And I think that sometimes we, um, we have a professor at the seminary who talks about how the Holy spirit can kind of feel like your weird uncle, um, and how like you see him at a family gathering, um, you see him across the room, but you're like, if I go over and engage with him, it's probably going to get weird and it's probably going to make me do something I don't want to do. Or be in a conversation I don't want to be in. So are we treating the Holy Spirit like that? Are we saying like, I see you're here, but if I engage with you, I know it's going to make me uncomfortable. And are we willing to be uncomfortable? Are we willing to engage with the Holy Spirit? Are we willing to invite it into a, into the space? Not invite it, it's already here. But to um, but to recognize it and to, and to listen. And so I think our students were just willing to listen is really the only thing that um, separates us from anybody else is that they they right. were willing to engage with it so. yeah wow that is beautiful that is worth the price of the podcast download right there so beautiful i love that and uh, what a, what a wonderful way to think about the ministry of the spirit as well and uh, making sure that we make as much room for him and uh, as we want i'd love that so um aj and rebecca talk to us about the kind of impact that it's had on you and your peers um yes i have i have two things um one the first day when we it broke out um we when we were praying over each other the words fear not for i've redeemed you from isaiah 43 was prayed over me and that's just continued to stick to me since this day to this day and it's not for someone who like carries so much shame and i think Z like also carries a lot of just like the depression and just things that have happened to us um and what we have done and to understand that like the Lord has forgiven and redeemed us, uh, getting to move forward in that my prayer life in like, literally I'm entering a leadership role. We've been training all week, um, here at Asbury. So all of the resident assistants, um, student, all, basically all the student leaders are here for training and there's, we already t- can tell there's something different prayer life is so much more intentional and faithful. Like it's integrated more in our meetings. It's, it's just, it's so different now, uh, even here on campus where we know we've seen the Lord work and we believe he's going to continue that work in each of us and in each of the students, but we have to be faithful stewards of that. And so stepping out in faith and like being bold and courageous, um, being good stewards, like peacekeepers, like um, but expectant hope, expectant joy. And based off of Philippians 2, 1 to 5, like all of these different attributes and just how we're all in um, for him because he's done that for us. 
So that's like some of my big takeaways that like that I've gotten to personally experience and like carry on from that impact, but also seeing it with my peers here on campus where I'm just like, wow, wow, like this, we really are different now. Like this is wow. not as it was last year because I was That's on the lead team last year as well. And so now it's, okay, how can we steward the students who still have questions, who still are processing this? Yeah, yeah. Um, wow. That's just really Yeah. That's amazing. And even like you said, the students who still have questions, still processing. Some of the things I find so, you know, surprising, even about the resurrection accounts in Matthew, like they worshipped him, but some doubted. But there's always going to be a mixture of responses to what goes right. on and to, to be able to pass the people where they're at. AJ, um, we'll give you the, the final word then on our time together. What's some of your, uh, we'll yeah. give you the final word. What's some of your reflections? So for me, my big takeaway came kind of either that Friday or Saturday night when I was just like kind of looking around like at all the worship and like I was thinking like you know like as great as like what's going on now is like the kingdom of heaven is going to be like so much greater and that worship is going to be like even greater than we can imagine you know and like I kind of had this thought of like you know I don't really want anyone to miss that opportunity like I want to make sure that everyone is there to experience that and so like one of my um friends was like i was talking to him about this and he was like you know if you want like more like confidence or boldness to be able to like share about jesus and just say yes to him he's like just pray for that like strength and so that's what i did and so like since then it's just been about like saying yes to jesus because that can take you farther than you can imagine i think um just like saying yes to him and what he's called for you and so yeah whether that has meant like going to London or like doing something little you know and like the first time I went and shared about the outpouring um I got back and one of my friends was like I would have never in a million years when I first met you (laughs) thought that you would have been going and doing that so that was cool to hear but like outside of me like in terms of the community I've seen a lot more of um, places allowing the space for Jesus to continue working past their like scheduled service. Mm. Like I go to um, WGM on Sunday nights, which is like uh, World Gospel Missions, like a small organization that we have on uh, campus. And like the weeks after the outpouring, like they like just didn't really like end it like they they kind of just said like because they always like after like the services like dinner they kind of just like allowed worship to continue past the normal like two to three songs they normally play Mm -hmm. and like you can go eat dinner if you want and you can stay if you want and like i went to like first alliance one sunday and their service was also kind of like that too of like they just like kept playing songs and like kept allowing people who wanted to stay in worship to stay, which I think is really cool and is really impactful. And it's definitely something that has changed. Uh, Like that definitely wasn't something that happened before the outpouring, I would say, so. Wow, that's beautiful. Two great, great like reflections as well. Like you personally, I love that you're saying yes to things. Um, Taylor Mm -hmm. talked about a million yeses when it was going on. And I guess the presence of God gives you a, yeah, we can do that. And then 
for someone like you, you said, people saying, oh, I've never seen you doing that, seeing you on stage at New Day, sharing in front of 9,000 young people because you said yes to Jesus, taking on that mission um, and that kind of response of churches beyond that. Of just let's, let's allow for longer to linger in his presence. Guys, thank you so much for, for joining me. This has been inspiring and uh, really encouraging for people uh, who no doubt are just going to be hungering for this in their churches here in the UK or around the world, wherever people are listening to this podcast. Thank you so much for your time today and um, for, for all that you've shared. Yeah, thank you for having us. This was great. Yeah, thank you. Oh, wasn't that great? Didn't it make you want to worship? Oh, I loved what um, I love what Taylor said at the end about the Holy Spirit. That we don't need to be afraid of Him. We don't need to keep our distance from Him. He wants to be invited into our lives, and He wants to lead us. I remember hearing John Tyson, the pastor from New York, put it like this. He said, "God comes wherever He's wanted. Do we want Him? I know I do." Well, that's it for this week, folks. Please check in in a couple of weeks' time as we bring you another conversation about the Christian life and leadership. And if you're not yet a subscriber, please do hit that subscribe button so you're kept up to date with whenever videos or podcasts come out. And I look forward to being with you all again soon. God bless. Stay well. Stay well.